Welcome in, everybody. We do it every Friday here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Time to get in the cage. It's a pleasure to bring back to the program a man I haven't had a chance to speak to in quite some time, so it'll be good to catch up with a man who covers the sport of MMA for ESPN, also managing editor for MMAfighting.com. The one, the only, Mark Rimondi is with us. Mark, how are you, man? Hey, Bob. How are you? I should say former deputy managing editor, right? I, I didn't. I don't want to. That's right. I don't want to misstate things and uh, give you titles you don't Exclusive. currently hold. So <laughs> exclusively uh, with ESPN uh, now, yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, I appreciate you doing this. Want to hit a few different things for, for uh, with you, I should say. But uh, first one I want to hit, and I, I, I guess I just need a little clarity. The big news was uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson signing uh, a new deal with Bellator. And I kept seeing the headlines, and I hadn't gotten it deep into any articles on it yet, but saying, oh, he left the UFC. So I'm assuming, the, despite the fact he hadn't been in the cage in a number of years, that the UFC still held his rights. Is that accurate? That's correct. Uh, they, he was under contract with the UFC. Uh, when he retired a couple of years ago, his contract was frozen, so he, he remained under contract. And then uh, he came to some kind of agreement in the last uh, you know few weeks with the UFC to – become a free agent they released him and then he found his altar so what do you what do you make of the signing again a guy we haven't seen in the cage for a few years he's uh you know he was power lifting for a while he was you know working in a weed business he had a lot of different things going on and now he he's making his way back to the cage i see he said he's going to fight at light heavyweight and heavyweight um what what do you think what, what what version of of rumble johnson might we see well, I think he could be a difference maker for Bellator immediately. I think uh, if he now now remember uh, when when he retired, he was he was fighting for the title. I mean, it wasn't like he was uh, on any kind of a long losing streak. He was still an elite light heavyweight. And the one thing that uh, we we can't doubt Bob is is his power. I mean, he has some of the most incredible one punch knockout power in the history of the sport. And I don't think that has gone away in the last several years since he's been retired. So I'd expect him to be a threat right off the bat in the Bellator light heavyweight division, which is looking very interesting right now with with Vadim Nemkov now as the new champion, Corey Anderson, uh, another former UFC light heavyweight contender signing with Bellator in the last few months. There's still Ryan Bader. Phil Davis is on a winning streak. I mean, it's it's a very interesting division. And you throw Anthony Rumble Johnson in there and – and that is, I mean, all of a sudden, that is Bellator's kind of crown jewel division, the light heavyweight, and, and it should be interesting. And then, you know, if he fights as heavyweight, same, same thing applies. You know, you still have a Ryan Bader up there. Uh, it should be, who, who, by the way, Rumble Johnson owns a win over Ryan Bader. So it should be really interesting uh, in the coming, you know, 2021 for Bellator to see what that division looks like. Yeah, I want to ask you what I've asked a few different fighters and analysts about, and that is just the the gap in talent between the UFC and Bellator these days, because it used to be looked at as sort of, I won't say minor leagues, but it was looked at at much lesser than the UFC in terms of that gap. And okay, yeah, maybe they'd get some some guys that are past their prime that used to be UFC names, you know, Tito Ortiz, Chael Sonnen, some of these names, but you know, they're they're washed by the time they got there. That's the, you just li- gave, ran down a list of guys that are there. Uh, that used to be in the UFC, and you could throw in Gegard Mousasi and other people like that. Mm-hmm. Rory, Rory McElroy, or excuse me, Rory, uh, get making his way over there. But just the idea that you're now getting guys that are much closer to their prime, and some in their prime that used to be UFC fighters has has that gap closed in a big way in your mind in terms of talent level between Bellator and UFC? It's hard to say. I think that there are. I'll I'll I'll, I'll say it this way. 
I think right now Bellator has as many talents in their prime that they have had in the Scott Coker era as far as relevance in the division. I mean, the names that I just uh, the, name, the names that I just mentioned in the light heavyweight division, Bob, all those all those guys would be competitive in the UFC's light heavyweight division, uh, top ten. You know, a, a very a good amount of them, and they were before they left. You know, they were they were still they were still ranked very highly. And and the same thing with Gegard Mustafa. He was on a winning streak when he left the UFC. He was one of the best middleweights in the world, and he still is, and, he, and he's a middleweight champion. And then you have guys like Patricio uh, Pitbull Freire, who has never fought in the UFC, but, man, for my money, he is one of the very best. I mean, you could even make the case that he is the best 145-pound fighter in the world. He is fantastic. And then uh, someone like an A.J. McKee coming up, uh, a young guy, mm-hmm. 25 years old, who – uh, is one of the best prospects, if not the best prospect in the world. So there's a lot to look forward to in in Bellator in 2021. I mean, Chris Cyborg. You know, Chris Cyborg is is one of the best women's fighters in the world in any division. So uh, as far as the as, as the blue chip, the quality talent, I think this is the most that, that Bellator has had. The question now is, can you can you leverage that into bigger ratings into, you know, more relevance in the space because I feel like that maybe the names are not as big as some of the names they've had in the past in Bellator, but talent is better than ever. Yeah, yeah, I, you're, you're absolutely right. Some really good young talent. You throw Michael Venom Page in there and James Gallagher in there as well. I mean, a lot of exciting young fighters. Uh, a side note on that, do you think we'll ever see a cross-promotion fight? Is that even possible for the UFC and Bellator to work on some just – down the road, some blockbuster, their best versus the UFC's best at any particular weight division. I uh, I never say never in MMA. I mean, it's a it's a it's a funny sport, and it's constantly growing and evolving and changing because it is so young compared to other sports. But I don't see that happening anytime in the foreseeable future because the UFC really doesn't need to do that, right? I mean, what would be the benefit to the UFC? They they're doing great on their own. They don't need to do a cross promotion with anyone. It would help Bellator a ton, but what would be in it for the UFC? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, they have, they still have the bulk of the best talent. They still put on the bulk of the top fights in every division. So it really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. If that, if that balance of power started to change a little bit, you know, maybe, but right now I just don't see any reason why the UFC would do that. You talk about the UFC doing well. We heard Dana talk about, Hey, we're going to release around 60 fighters by the end of the year. Yoel Romero being the biggest of which is the, the one of the first dominoes to fall. Do you, do you expect him to live up to that? We will see 60 fighters, and of those 60, how many will be casual fans will know the names of these guys? Uh, obviously, it's a very deep roster. There are a lot of fighters that a casual fan may not have heard of. Yoel is a big name. You expect more of that? What, what, what are you thinking about this? I, I do think there'll be at least 60 cuts before the end of the year, and I think there will be names like a Yoel Romero, like a, an Anthony Rumble Johnson that fans have heard of, certainly. I don't think all of them will be. I think that the vast majority will probably be kind of a mid-level, mid-level type of uh, fighter. But there will be some names. And, and I think a lot, of, a lot of the names you'll see released are names that we all know, but they're in their late 30s or maybe even in their early 40s. They're on a little bit of a losing streak. They're not, you know, they're not quite in the prime like a Romero, even though, look, I mean, I think Joe Romero is one of the best middleweights in the world still, no doubt. But he is in his 40s. He's 44 years old. Uh, you know, and, and he was making a lot of money. And that's another key, too, to I think some of these cuts. They're going to 
they're going to be releasing some of the guys who are out of their primes, who may be on a little bit of a skid right now, and who are probably making, you know, 100 and 100 or, or one of these higher salaries. That's probably the most likely candidates to go because they've signed a ton of fighters off of, off Dana White's contender series. They're trying to, they're trying to get the roster younger, cheaper. They're trying to, they're trying to build up some of the newer names for the future rather than kind of hanging on to some of the older veterans who are holding up the vision. Where, where do you think Yoel lands? I had been reading that he's not going to get anything done with Bellator. I don't know if he's going to end up with, you know, the PFL or one. I, I, it seems he would be attractive to a number of promotions out there, yet you, you bring up his age. He did have a bit of a losing skid there, although he's not being beat up by any stretch. He's, you know, these are close fights. So what, what do you think the future holds for Romero? Even though some of the promotions came out and said in the immediate aftermath they had no interest in, in Yoel Romero, I'm not sure how much that's going to hold. I think that I think it, ultimately he will have interest because, to me, he's a difference maker. He, he's not only someone that, I mean, again, a top five middleweight. You can make the case that he's even a top three middleweight in the world. And I think he he's also a guy that can move the needle a little bit. I, I don't think he's the biggest draw in the world. He's not a Conor McGregor. But I do think if you put him on cable, you know, if you put him on Bellator, you put him on, you know, ESPN2 or ESPN Plus with, with uh, PFL, I do think that people want to see him. So I think that inevitably he will get he will get signed by one of those domestic promotions. I even saw something this week uh, that Combate Americas, the, the Latin American focused promotion, was interested in, in Yoel. So he'll he'll find his place somewhere. He's still an excellent fighter. Okay, last thing I'll I'll let you go on this. I want to talk to you quickly about two fights on the uh, UFC 256 card coming up this weekend. Their last pay per view of 2020 being headlined by Davidson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, but before that, we're going to see the return of Tony Ferguson, who I love watching the guy fight. He's incredibly creative. He's unpredictable. He's really just a unique fighter. But last we saw him, he was in a blood and guts battle, the types which, uh, Mark, we've seen guys change after fights like that. You've seen it in boxing where it's just a back and forth, 12-round war and all of a sudden, guys don't seem the same after fights like that. Was his fight with Justin Gagey one of those fights where you, you really are maybe a little concerned or at least curious as to how he comes out of that? I, I think those are two really good words that you just used, Bob, uh, concerned and curious. I think those are definitely legitimate things to, to look at because that was a very tough fight, and he did take a ton of punishment in that fight. And Justin Gagey, we, we, see, we know how hard he hits because – he hits guys with those shots, other guys that are not Ferguson, and they go to sleep. And and Ferguson ate a ton of those hard shots, and then it was uh, it was it was kind of crazy actually to to see him eat all those. But I don't I don't know the answer to the question. I, I do think there is some concern and there's some curiosity. The one thing I will say is that if there is a guy who can come back from something like that, who can shake that off and come back as good as ever, that guy is Tony Ferguson. You really can't count out. Tony Ferguson. He's just a different he's a different cat, man. Like he's just a different kind of guy. And and I think that I think that maybe maybe physically, you know, he's thirty six now. Physically he's not gonna be as athletic as he was. But as far as his mental toughness and his and his mental durability, there there there's no one tougher in that regard. And I would say his physical durability as well. So I, I still I am I am cautiously optimistic about Ferguson moving forward. And this is gonna be a very hard fight. At UFC 256 against Charles Oliveira, who 
who's one of the best finishers in UFC history. I mean, he's one of the best submission artists in UFC history, and he can also, uh, you know, he's shown a, an improved striking game with power. So it's not an easy task. I mean, it is a hard fight for Ferguson coming back. But again, cautiously optimistic that, that he, he'll return to his former form before the Gaethje fight. So are you are you leaning toward Ferguson in this one? Which way are you going? Yeah, I am leaning toward Ferguson a, a little bit, and and it's I've gone back and forth because when I when I first heard the fight, when I first got announced, I was like, wow, that's a really tough fight for Ferguson to be coming back to. But it's also the the, the biggest fight of Oliveira's career, and uh, in the past when Oliveira has gotten one of these really really big fights that could possibly get into that to that next level. He has typically lost those fights. He's lost to Paul Felder, lost to Anthony Pettis. Um, so that's a big fight for, for Oliveira. Can he get over that hump? And again, Ferguson, you just can't count the guy out. So I have to, I have to pick him. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for, for some more, uh, you know, data in this fight to see where Tony Ferguson is at. But I also think you can't judge him based on fighting Justin Gaethje because Justin Gaethje is a different animal as well. You know, he, Charles Oliveira is good, but he's not, he's not Justin Gaethje. So right. we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm, I'm picking Tony. Okay, now give me, give me a thought. This main event is interesting because Figueredo, I think, is a really nice, well-rounded fighter. I think he, he does everything really well. I think he's a nice, sharp puncher. Moreno's a blood-and-guts guy who's just he's exciting. Mm-hmm. He's kind of wild out there, ton of heart. But if I, if I, I think the skill advantage, in my opinion, goes to Figueredo. I'm leaning towards him, but Moreno's a bit of a wild card as well. Which, how do you see this one playing out? Well, well, this one I'm I'm really excited about because I really think that for all those reasons that you stated, this one has a chance to be just an absolute barn burner because you have Figueredo, who is so dynamic. He's got so much power. He's so athletic. And he takes risks. He goes for it. He he is not content to just stay on the outside and take a guy apart or, or lay and pray. I mean, he goes for the finish almost every second of the fight. And yeah. then you have Brandon Moreno who's almost like a perfect foil because he's durable, right? He, he, if, if there's anyone who can weather that, that Figueredo storm, it's Brandon Moreno. And, and, you know, last until the second, third rounds, and then maybe even take Figueredo into deep water, which we have not seen him in. We have not seen him go deep into fights in, 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 in the dogfight that Brandon Moreno could possibly pull him into. So for, all, for, for those reasons, I think this one could be really great. I, I have to lean toward Figueroa because what he's done so far in this division. I mean, we haven't seen that kind of power and that kind of finishing ability in the flyweight division ever. I mean, he he is the best finisher in flyweight history already, and he and he doesn't just you know he doesn't he doesn't do it in the, the fourth round, the fifth round. He's finishing guys early. I mean, who has done that really in that division? I mean, that he 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 just he just ends guys, and that and that's not something we've seen yet. And it's been a, it's been, I think, a big boon for the division. And uh, and I think if you're the UFC, you probably want this guy to be the champion for a long time because he he's kind of helping lift that division up again. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Hey, one more I wanted to ask you about, and then I'll let you go here. Junior Dos yeah. Santos is on this card, uh, you, and I'm sure you've talked to him a number of times. I've had the pleasure of, of interviewing him a number of times. You couldn't ask for a nicer guy. He is truly one of the mm-hmm. sweetest guys you could you could ever talk to. I root for him like no other fighter, yet he's he's going to be 37 in January. He's been knocked out three times in a row, and maybe he gets the win here, maybe he doesn't. But to me, I look at him and go, his days of being a legit heavyweight contender are over. And I don't, I don't really know what's left for him to achieve in here. I don't want to see the guy to continue to take punishment. 
Am I being too negative on him? Do you feel like there's still some gas in the tank for him? What do you see with Junior? I actually think there is. I think there is. And heavyweight is a different kind of division because you can have some of those losses and come back and go on another run and get yourself back into the conversation uh, as far as the title goes. I mean, look at Andre Arlovsky. We've talked about that guy being done for like 10 years. Yeah, that's a great and he, point. And he's still, <laughs> and he's still, he's still winning fights in his, in his 40s in, in the UFC. I mean, we've talked about Alistair Overeem being done before. Uh, you know, Ngano knocked him out. I mean, one of the most hellacious knockouts ever. Mm. And Alistair Overeem is still right back in the, in the title conversation. So I think, you know, it, the heavyweight division is a funny one because you can get, you can get finished a couple times in a row and then come back and, and put together a few more wins in spectacular fashion and get right back up there. And I think Dos Santos can possibly do that. But, it, but look at this matchmaking, Bob. This is, this, is, this is what the UFC has been doing a lot in recent years. This is, a, this is a typical, let's see where this veteran is at type of fight. And, and also for Cyril Gaon, let's see where this prospect is at. It's, it's a litmus test fight, so to speak. It could be like a passing of the torch almost, where you have the aging veteran who, who's been champion against the up-and-coming guy, and Gano's a prospect. He trained with Francis Ngannou when he was you know, younger in his career. He's got power. He has some, he has some submission skills on the ground. He, he's one to watch in the division, and it's a guy they like a lot. So if he can get by Dos Santos, wow, you know, we, have, we have a new contender. But if Dos Santos wins, it kind of keeps him above water and as far as the title relevancy. It's really, really good matchmaking. The UFC's done a lot, uh, a lot of fights like that recently, and they make a lot of sense. So I think we'll learn a lot about both men again on, on Saturday, and, uh, and I do think uh, JDS will, will, uh, will win this fight and kind of keep himself alive in that conversation. And, you know, you know, he wins one more early in 2021, knocks somebody out. Guess what? We're talking about, you know, Pagano <laughs> as a contender again. Yeah, you're, you're, that's a great point, and, and you're probably right. I'm, I know I'm supposed to be objective in watching these fights. I'm openly rooting for Junior. He's just, he's just such a good <laughs> dude, man. So he, I'm, is, he is pound for pound one of the nicest guys uh, in MMA, for sure. He, he truly is. Hey, Mark, I, I always appreciate you taking time. Mark Raimondi does a great job covering the sport of MMA for ESPN. You can check him out there. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark with a C underscore Raimondi on Twitter. Mark, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Have a great holiday season. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I look forward to talking to you again. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob.